0: Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we're honest, Jesus' words in Matthew 6 sound a little strange, don't they? After all, we live in a fast food, have it your way, 24-hour drive-through, value meal, supersize me, Uber Eats, you can get food from your car, kind of world. And Jesus talks about fasting. It sounds a little strange. Prayer, he talks about too. We can get that in our heads. That makes sense. He instructs us to pray. He promises to hear us. The Father says he'll hear us, as Luther says in the Catechism, like dear Father cares for his own dear children. And giving to the poor, well, that makes sense too. We can get our heads around that. We give for the work of the gospel here in our own congregation. We also give to missions, local, national, international, We give to charities other ways to help the poor and needy. But Jesus' words about fasting sound a bit foreign to us, a bit strange. When you fast, our Lord says, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what do we make of these words? What, as we know in the Catechism, does this mean? Well, we could toss out these words like the moldy leftovers in our fridge. Or we could ignore them like our least favorite vegetables. But of course, neither of those will do because these are our Lord's words. And that means he has something to teach us. Like his disciples, he calls us to chew on these words, to wrestle with them, to understand what he means by his teaching to us in Matthew 6. Jesus' words may sound a bit strange too because when our stomach growls, usually we feed it. Or if we're thirsty, we get a drink. If we're tired, we rest. When we need something, we go to Amazon and it shows up on our ports later that day or tomorrow. And maybe that's one of the things that Jesus is getting at in teaching us and his disciples here. That it is, to fast means to abstain from something. It's a physical discipline of our desires, of our bodies, of the things we normally do. It's a denial of ourselves, too. There's many reasons to fast, but Jesus teaches us that fasting reminds us that what really fills the emptiness that we have in our lives isn't food. What really fills the emptiness in our life is God's Word. Because emptiness isn't hunger, that's just the symptom. Emptiness is also a sign of sin in Scripture. It's why Jesus teaches his disciples that when they fast, just as when they pray or when they give money, they're not to do it like the Pharisees were doing it. Not for the self-seeking attention. Not for selfish gain not to show off for their friends or impress God as if we could do that by things we do, but rather a reminder that it is Jesus alone who fills us with his life. Our life is fed and filled and given by his forgiveness, his righteousness, his salvation, even his fasting in the wilderness for us. But still, maybe you're like me and these words in Matthew 6 hit you like a gut punch because Jesus teaching about fasting and prayer and almsgiving reminds me exactly how much I have failed at hearing and following every other teaching of Jesus in every other part of my life too that I fail at hearing his word that I don't perfectly deny myself nor do I pray as often as I should nor am I as generous to others as he is to me i have not loved the lord my god with all my heart and soul and mind nor have i loved my neighbor as myself you see jesus words reveal that emptiness of sin that's what saint augustine was talking about when he wrote that our hearts are restless o lord until we find our rest in thee see, there's that gaping hole in our heart, not our stomach, but our our heart, our being. And it can only be filled with one thing. But not really a thing, rather, it's a man. Jesus. Behold the man, Pilate said, as he brought out Jesus before the jeering crowds that mocked him. Jesus was flogged and bloody. He wore a twisted crown of thorns, It was designed to inflict suffering and mockery all at once. He wore wore a faux-royal robe meant for ridicule. But while all this was happening, Pilate preached an unintentional but profound sermon. Behold the man, he said. And so that's what we will do this day and this season of Lent. We will behold the man, Jesus, the God-man, the word who became flesh for you who is like you in every way. He is your brother in human flesh and also true God, begotten of the Father before all eternity and born of the Virgin Mary for you, our Lord and yet one who is like us. He has skin and bones, blood vessels and lymph nodes and teeth and hair, heart and lungs, blood and saliva, hands, feet, eyes, lips, tongue, a stomach, spleen and kidneys behold the man he eats he breathes he walks he sleeps he prays he weeps he bleeds he dies he rises he ascends as we confess in the creed and sits and reigns on the throne and will one day return and in all of this he is completely human and completely divine. Two perfect natures in one indivisible person. God who has fingerprints and DNA. Behold the man, Jesus your savior, Jesus your brother. With one important difference, of course, he has no sin. His human nature is perfect in every way, unspoiled and uncorrupted by Adam's rebellion. Because of sin, we are really less than human, not human the way God intended us to be in creation before the fall, but not Jesus. It's true, though, he's tempted in every way like we are, but without sin, without falling, without breaking. His desires are never distorted by lust or greed, by covetousness or idolatry, Like unblemished, perfect Adam before the fall on that sixth day of creation when God said his creation was very good, Jesus is as human as human can be. As human as he intends to make each and every one of you in the resurrection, as he promises you already in your baptism. Indeed, behold the man who took on human flesh in the virgin womb, Behold the unborn baby who was nourished for nine months in that temporary fleshly throne room. Behold the crying infant who nursed at Mary. Behold the toddler whom his parents introduced to new foods, all of which he had created. Behold the boy who ate the Passover and was instructed in the faith surrounded by family. Behold the man, God in human flesh, who also eats to live just as we do. Behold the incarnate God-man, who has lips and teeth and tongue and taste buds, but in the wilderness, as he was tempted by Satan, went without food for forty days before that. An esophagus and stomach, intestines that were empty and aching for food for forty days. Behold the man who fasts for you, who denies himself for you. The first Adam sinned by eating, and Jesus, the second Adam, fasted before that enduring onslaught of temptation, and he withstood every one of them. He fasts, he denies himself for you. This is the God who can eat. In fact, who needs to eat, just as we do, But he abstains from eating for a while. He endures the pains of hunger for a while. He denies his flesh all for you. For every tendency of ours to prefer our way, Jesus goes the way of the cross for us. The creator comes to be a creature, to ransom us. He gives his life for us. Behold the man who fasted and prayed and gave alms perfectly. For you, his stomach rumbled, he had hunger pains, he was tempted, and yet overcame. And in his flesh, in this God-man for you, there is your hope. There we have joy even in Lent, for he succeeds where Adam and we fail. Behold the man who tonight at his altar and his table gives us himself to eat and drink, for our forgiveness, to strengthen our faith and to enable and give life and fruit to our love for others. His flesh for our flesh. Tonight in bread and wine, his body and blood, behold the man. And a blessed Ash Wednesday and Lenten season to each of you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.